he is doing and for this beautiful service this far and the way the Lord has blessed. Now there probably will be some more worship service in a little while, but right now we're going to look into the word of the Lord. To our visitors, come on, take your shoes off, make yourself at home, and let's have a good time together, all right? The Lord is so wonderful, and we love him so very, very, very much. We appreciate Brother and Sister Scoggins being here. All of our friends, we see Brother and Sister Braden, great friends of ours, people that we love very, very much. And all of you that have come from some of the place, some of you I don't know, but uh, to see you here makes us, thank you, Brother Burton, just leave your shoes off there. Yeah, I don't miss much. But God has been so wonderful to allow us to be in the house of the Lord on this New Year's Eve night. I would rather be here than in the greatest nightclub in Las Vegas. I'd rather be here than any place I know. I know a lot of churches that's having watch night service, but none of them ever have it like Bethel. And I am so glad that I am in this service tonight. Well, it's time to look into the Word of the Lord. I, last year, you gave me such a short time. I, I never really got through preaching. I butchered a good sermon. And uh, I told him tonight, I said, look, I've got one request. I don't care how you run the service. I don't care what you do. But give it to me at 10 o'clock. And when I get through, I'll give it back to them. And whatever they want to do with it, they can. But I wanted to have time to preach to you tonight. How many of you believe I can preach an hour in 45 minutes? <coughs> Sunday, there was a parade of people coming into my office telling me that I was going to get better. And uh, it was finally ended with Brother Hugh Wilder coming in there and he said now Brother Foss said God spoke to me that you was going to get better he said you try me and see if I'm false he had heard me preach if you prophesy something and don't happen you're a false prophet but there was uh, about six or eight people that come in and done that and I'm telling you I am doing better and I believe that God is hearing and answering our prayer. And I come to you ready to preach tonight, ready to get into the word of the Lord with all of our heart. I appreciate what God has done. I've got one other announcement. I'm going to take my coat off while I make this. One other statement. I received an article in the mail uh, about two months ago. And it was a very, very stirring article just to read it. And when I got to the middle of the article, which I have in front of me tonight, there was a typewritten page that was stuck in there. And it said, if you preach about this, I want the credit for it. So, I'm giving the credit tonight for sending me the article to my son, David Foss. <laughs> but I'm not giving him the credit for what I'm going to preach. Okay? And I am so thankful that God has allowed us all to come together. I'm glad that you folks that got here at the 10th hour finally came. I was worried about you. How many of you knew we started at 8 o'clock and you didn't come? Praise God. But you're here and that's 
the main thing. And we're going to talk about the main thing that is the main thing, that'll be the main thing when the main thing is through. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel. And I want to begin reading at verse 1. It will be a lengthy reading, but I feel that I need to read it all to you. And I will read this. 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had abode two days in Ziklag. Now remember the word Amalekites. They are and were the sworn enemies of God because they refused to let God's people cross their land. And here David had just returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites that abode and had abode two days in Ziklag. And it come to pass on the third day that behold, a man came out of the camp from Saul with his clothes rent and earth upon his head. And so it was when he came to David that he fell to the earth and did obeisance. And David said unto him, From whence comest thou? And he said unto him, Out of the camp of Israel. Am I escaped? And David said unto him, How went the matter? I pray thee, tell me. And he answered, That the people are fled from the battle, and many of the people also are fallen and dead, and Saul and Jonathan his son are dead also. And David said unto the young man that told him, how knowest thou that Saul and Jonathan be dead? And the young man that told him said, I happened by chance upon Mount Gilboa. And behold, Saul leaned upon his spear, and lo, the chariots and horsemen followed hard after him. And when he looked behind him, he saw me and called unto me, and I answered, Here am I. And he said unto me, Who art thou? And I answered him, I am, here's that word, an Amalekite. And he said unto me again, Stand, I pray thee, upon me, and slay me, for anguish is come upon me, because my life is yet whole in me. So I stood upon him and slew him, because I was sure that he could not live after that he was fallen. I took the crown that was upon his head, and the bracelet was on his arm, and have brought them hither unto my Lord. Then David took hold of his clothes and rent them, and likewise all the men that were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until even for Saul and Jonathan his son. And for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. And David said unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? He answered and said, I am the son of a stranger, an Amalekite. There's that word again. And David said unto him, How wast thou? not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed. And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him, and smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. And David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son. 
and also he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashar, the beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. Say high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offering. For there the shield of the mighty and, and the valley cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. For the blood of the slain from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul re not, returned not empty. And Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet, and with other delights, who put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in the high places. I am distressed for thee. My brother Jonathan, very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war have perished? Mount Gilboa. And I want to use for a subject tonight after reading this story of what took place on the summit of Gilboa, I want to preach to you from a subject, the summit of my soul. The summit of my soul. Shall we pray? Our Lord, I come to you tonight, faith in my heart, joy in my soul, searching for approval, searching for your will. And as I speak to this church that you have made me the shepherd of, I ask you to give me wisdom tonight. Give me the words to say that would start us into a new dimension and into a new year. Be near us. Let the meditation of my heart and the thoughts of my mind and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. The summit of my soul. Maybe I should qualify the word summit. That is the top, the very highest peak of the mountain. You have not reached the summit until you have reached the top. And when you have reached the top, remember what you see, remember what you hear, remember what you say. And life has always seemed to be a struggle. Everybody is scrambling, everybody is uh, struggling and working 
trying to reach the top in whatever profession they have chosen. If you are not trying to be the best in your field, then you're cheating yourself because you need to be the best you possibly can be at anything you do. Amen. And so the struggle to reach the top goes on and on. Uh, something was said tonight about where you start. Children born, they want to be where their mother and daddy are when they start. Something was said about people getting married. And when they get married, they want to have what people have worked for years to accomplish. A lot of preachers have it in their mind. I had one young man here that uh, was here for a while, and he got a call. And this call was for him to come and preach a weekend in a church. And uh, when he heard that, he told his wife, I'm going to go and quit my job and I am going full time into the ministry. He had never preached in a church before. He walked into my office and he said, I'm going to quit my job, Brother Foss. I said, why? He said, because I'm going full time in the ministry. And I looked at him I hardly knew that he was even thinking about being called to preach. He said, I've got a call today, uh, this week, to go and preach in another state. And uh, I'm going to go there and preach. And I'm going full time. I said, son, sit down. I want to talk to you a minute. I said, saying you're full time is one thing. But being full-time in the ministry is another. I said, you don't know what going and preaching one time at a church is all about. I said, who knows? Don't quit your job. Wait and see how it goes. Nobody may want you after they hear you. Right. Uh... You know, young men look at uh, men that have been in the ministry for many years. They look at men that have struggled to reach the summit and reach the top. And they want to start where I am or start where Brother Scoggins is or start where Brother Smith, Brother Patton, or Brother Dave Stovall are. But it takes time. You don't get the Holy Ghost today in a church this size, and you're asked to preach, or you're asked to teach a Sunday school class the next Sunday. Now, am I making sense to you? Uh, there's always a struggle to the top. And I want you to keep in mind about reaching the top. You know, Zig Ziglar, he always says there's room at the top. He doesn't sing there's room at the cross for me. He sings there's room at the top for you. And he gives seminars after seminars about how to get to the top. Praise God. I want to talk to you about the summit, the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, the highest point on the terra firma of the earth. Mount Everest is 29,028 feet tall.
that is the cruising altitude of jetliners, that is the place that you go that there's only one-third enough oxygen for you to live at the top of the world. Perhaps you think, well, Everett, you're not a mountain climber. But in the heart of every person that has any adventure about them, and you happen to lean toward this kind of thing, Everest is a monument. It's there. Every mountain climber thinks about Everest. To me, I'll read about it. I don't want to go there. But there are men that are driven to try to reach Mount Everest. I uh, remember when I, a few years back when I was doing quite a bit of hunting and I was going to Colorado every year, it would take me about two or three days to get acclimated to the altitude. And there's so many things that's different at the altitude. You get up over 7,000 feet, you can't hardly cook a pot of beans. Did you hear what I said? You can put pinto beans on in the morning and that evening there's still hard pinto beans. It's because of the altitude. But you bring that same pinto bean that was grown at 7,500 feet around uh, Cortez and, and uh, Dove Creek, Colorado, you can bring those beans home. And where you have to cook your pinto beans two or three hours, they will cook in about 30, 35, or 40 minutes. The altitude has something to do with it. There is something about it. To date, 40,000 have tried to reach the summit. 660 have succeeded. 140 of that 660 died on the summit. Let me read just a little bit of this article to you. After a month at the base camp, a tent city of 300 climbers adjusting to the altitude of 17,000 feet, the leaders had elected to make their bid for the summit they had toiled up the mountain for four days after leaving 17,500 feet. And overnighting at ever higher encampments. And finally, on the evening of May the 9th, 1996, they had paused at Camp 4. They had reached 26,100 feet. There they had to decide whether to make the final 12-hour push. Would the weather hold long enough for them to make it to the top and be back at Camp 4 before the next afternoon's snows and dark? Rob Hall, the most experienced Everest guide, thought so. And at midnight, the group of guides, their clients, the Sherps, and the porters, the oxygen tanks on their backs like scuba divers beginning 
began to set out for the summit. They hoped to get there by noon. It was imperative. We've got to get there by noon. Because we cannot get back down to Camp 4 before the regular, regular as clockwork, the blizzard hits Mount Everest every day. They can't get back down before the blizzard catches them. Let me go on. It was afternoon before they reached the top. The three groups of about 30 people in all had been slowed by the necessity of taking turns on the safety ropes at Hillary Steps, the most difficult section of the climb. And the national cross-country ski coach from Kazatan, an engineering consultant native of Aspen, Colorado, were among the first to the top. Seasoned altitude guides, two friends of nine years, hired by Scott Fisher to assist him and assist his less experienced clients. Three women, three men. After an anxious wait for them on top, the first man headed down with the stragglers on the way. He met his boss, Fisher, wasn't feeling well, but he continued on. He was the last to summit at 3.30 in the afternoon. Now, I want you to get the picture in your mind. This man had been to the summit of Everest five different times. He has a group of people that he's taken to Everett for them to summit. It cost $65,000 apiece for them to make the attempt. And that's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of drive that was in the heart of men to get to their summit and to get to the top. Let me read on. And then the storm came, blowing like an early monsoon. It caught him and his party, now joined by several of Rob Hall's climbers as they labored down toward Camp 4. It caught Rob Hall and his slowest client, Doug Hansen, a postman from Raton, Washington, who had managed to summit even though he had failed the year before. Just below the peak, it caught Scott Fisher and his best friend, Rob Long, Jangu Sherpa, at 27,200 feet. Rob Song was 23. He was a native of Naples. He admired Fisher. He had given Scott one of his earrings when they stood atop of Pakistan's broad peak. He had grown his hair long to wear in a ponytail like Scott. Now his idol was asking him to leave him. Rob Song would not do it. Then Fisher ordered him to go down. The serp still refused. There are three unwritten rules of the high places. The first is to save yourself. The second is to save anyone you can. The third rule is 
when you save somebody and you have to make a choice, choose the one that is most likely to survive. Scott was too ill to move. Rob Long thought that Scott was not in his right mind when Scott threatened to throw himself off the mountain. Rob Long left him. It got dark. The wind blew the snow sideways at 70 miles an hour. 40 degrees minus. 40 degrees below zero. Wind chill factor. 95 below zero, and they were running out of oxygen. They were lost. On either side of them was 4,000 foot drop, but 11 people huddled on an icy slope, screaming and pounding on each other to keep awake. Keep looking up. Keep looking up. If they stayed, they knew they would be dead by morning. Life at the top. This kind of tragedy is hard for people like you and me that live at sea level to understand how could such a thing happen. Only one mountain is this high. It is impossible to, pre to prepare for its altitude. Every step, every breath, every agonizing effort, sleeping and eating are almost impossible. Headaches, nausea, coughs are persistent. And then there is the cold. Climbers ascend slowly to allow the body to climb, to acclimate, and to adjust by manufacturing extra red blood cells for better oxygen exchange. Still at rest, those in the high altitude breathe 50 times a minute, four times their rate at sea level. Every time they exhale, they lose moisture, about a gallon a day. Water that has to be replaced by snow melted on a tiny gas stove because of dehydration and sluggish blood circulation to the extremities is bad and to the fingers and slows the body as the body fights to keep the core alive. Frostbite threatens. The fatal danger is acute mountain sickness, pulmonary edema, and which the lungs fill with water, or worse still, cerebral edema, in which the brain does. If this happens to you, if you don't go downhill, or get into a pressurized gamma bag, you will go mad and then you die. What is this called? It's called hypoxia. Whenever you start suffering hypoxia at a high altitude, you are unable to make correct decisions. You're unable to think clearly. Your brain takes 20% of your oxygen to function. It takes the needed oxygen for your, the core of your body. Therefore, you are drowning in the moisture that your body cannot throw off. You begin to do foolish things. When the hypoxia sets in, you start doing things that you would never do 
that you would never think of, that you would never think about it. But if, if, oh remember this, if you can get back down, if you can go back to where you started, if you can get in a game now bag that's pressurized, somewhere you can live again. Don't forget that. Go back to the beginning. Because your brain needs 20% of the body's normal oxygen intake. Thinking is confused. Climbers tested at camp four take 50% longer to understand a sentence than a six-year-old would. You just don't make sense at this altitude. Brother Fox, why are you telling us all of this? Because I want to preach to you tonight about my summit, about the place that I need to be able to dwell, about the place that I need to find myself, the place that I could go. When they found Scott, Fisher, a man went back up and found him and pulled him after the storm passed and pulled him to a boulder. And there he lashed him and left him. The law of the mountain is you can't get them down. Bury them like they bury their dead at sea. Leave them. And he says he's going back this next year to cover Scott Fisher with stone. He will still be in the same place. Going up the pathway, you see 140 corpses that couldn't stand the height at the summit. They couldn't stand where they were. Brother Falk, what has that got to do with us? Oh, dear God, let me go through the text that I read for you. Let me talk to you about a man. A man called Saul. A man that was anointed. Oh, what an anointing. I wonder what the work of that anointing was. He was humble, hidden among the stuff. They found him. They brought him out where he could be. There he became the king of all Israel. And he served uh, the country so well. In David's lamentations, he said, You weep and mourn for Saul. He put scarlet on you. He put crowns on your head. But look at the story of Saul. He rose to the summit. When he got to the summit, after having been king for a while, he rose to the plateau that I am being sent to do what God wanted me to do. What are you going to do, Saul? I'm supposed to kill and destroy utterly. He was told by the prophet, don't spare one Amalekite. Not one. Saul, you're at the summit. Be careful what you do. You're going to release Israel from bondage. They're not going to have to pay taxation anymore to the Amalekites. You're going to be the one that's going to kill the enemy of God. Saul, so you're anointed. You are anointed, but you're at the top. There is something about living at the top. When Saul realized that 
He had destroyed the Amalekites. He had killed all of them. There was something happened to him. Spiritual hypoxia. He got to where he couldn't make clear decisions. He looked at the king and looked at the crown. He looked at the fat pants. Although just a little while ago, the prophet spoke to him. said, don't you spoil it. Don't you spare anybody. Don't you do anything like that. You utterly destroy the enemy of God. And in that spiritual hypoxia, Saul turned around and said, Oh, it would please the people. The monsoon winds of the chilling height of being at the summit of his soul begin to tell him the people will like it. The people will love it. The people will do it. You need to pray for your pastor that God would help me when I reach the summit of my soul that I won't be influenced by outside influences, that I won't be afraid to preach to you the things that you need to hear. Are you really going to spare that one Amalekite? Yeah. I'm going to spare Agag the king. I want you to think how great it would be for me to be able to come into the city with a king in his crown trailing behind me in leg arms and arms of captivity. That's not what God said, You're not thinking clearly. The altitude of success has destroyed you. The altitude of your summit is working on you, Saul. You're throwing away the things that mean more to you than anything else. What are you throwing away, Saul? Your relationship with the man of God. Your relationship with God Almighty. Your respect for the temple. But of course, he didn't do that. When he come down the mountain, Samuel said he wouldn't talk to him anymore. Because you have disobeyed the plan of God. You haven't done what God said. Saul went down in this spiritual hypocrisy. So low that he went into the temple. He thought that he could override and go around God's plan. Hey church, hear me. You're nearing a summit that I'll talk to you about in a little while. But there are no shortcuts. There are no easy ways around. You've got to come the way that the cross demands, the way that God asks you. You've got to move in that direction if you are going to reach the summit. You went to the temple. And you know... It's good to come to church. It's wonderful. But it's dangerous to come to the house of God if you're suffering from spiritual hypoxia. Hypoxia will make you do things you don't want to do. As Saul cut off his relationship with Samuel. And when he turned to walk away, he took away, he took hold of Samuel's mantle, and Samuel pulled away, and it tore. He said, Thus God 
has taken the kingdom from you and given it to a friend. You know, Saul went to the temple. He had been there before, but he was so desperate to hear and feel the presence and the power of God. He offered offerings. He was king, but the priest was only supposed to do that. He ate at the table of the shoebread, but the king was not supposed to do that. He burned incense on the altar, but the king was not supposed to do that. He ministered in the light of the golden candlestick. He stood there in the reflection and moved in the supposedly in the spirit, but spiritual hypox hypoxia had a hold of him so bad he didn't understand. He was violating every law that he had fought for all of his life. He could not understand the compromise he had made and where it took him to. He couldn't understand it. He come out of there knowing, I didn't touch God. I didn't find God. I didn't feel the Lord. There was nothing there for me. I've got to go and talk to Samuel. He stooped lower than he had ever stooped. He is the king, Brother Scoggins, that passed the law that every witch would die. But under the spell of this high, high altitude edema called hypoxia, Saul was falling headlong down into the pits. He went and spent the night at the witch's house and said, I need to talk to her. His word never changed. When Samuel come and spoke to him, he said, Samuel, God, I've lost my relationship with you. I've lost my relationship with God. Is it going to be that way? Look at Cullen Self. Look at brother and sister Cortez's little boy. Look at my grandchildren. Look at Travis, 13 years old now. Look at Mindy and her husband's little boy and little girl. Look at your children. If the Pentecostal church goes the next 10 years, like we've gone the last, these little darlings won't know anything about old-time Pentecost. But I'm promising you again tonight that I'm going to preach like I have never preached. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed. I'm going to carry you into places you've never been. I'm going to show you things you've never seen. We're going to experience things we've never experienced. We're going to have a walk with God. Hey, we're getting accelerated. We're almost at the summit of Mount Zion. Do you really want to go? Somebody stand up and lift up your hands. Rapture time. I'm not ready for the rapture, Brother Voss. Go find you a pressurized gum now bag and get in it. Find an altar and tell God, come on, come on, wake me up. Let me feel you.
Ilo shatarabaku andarabahaya. time for us to go into our service communion standing at the summit we've already started the 12 hour walk to get to the top how many of our past frozen on the peaks spiritual hypermia Spiritual hypoxia, spiritual edema has caught them. Are we going to come and under the disguise that I'll just do it anyway? Are you going to do what Saul done? Do things in the temple you know you shouldn't do? This book teaches us that if you drink this cup and eat this bread unworthily, you do it to the damnation of your own soul. Brother Foss, I just won't take communion. That's not going to help you. We're at the summit. What you need to do is quickly step into a place that you can get a shot of spiritual oxygen that'll give you the strength to say, I'm going all the way. I didn't have to preach on tithes tonight. I didn't have to preach on offerings. I didn't have to preach on witnessing. You heard the testimonies that were so powerful. But what I'm talking about is you and your relationship with God. Saul still remained king. He still fought the battles. But he was out of touch with God. I want Sister Burton to begin to play. I feel like that we ought to just kneel in our seats where we are. And I don't want any moving around in this auditorium. I feel like we ought to talk to God for a few minutes. We're about to go into communion. Sharamoku Hatarabahaya. that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. I feel like you just ought to lift up your hands and love the Lord just for a minute. He's so worthy. He is so worthy. He is so worthy.
the bread and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, that, and in this do ye in remembrance of me, as often as ye drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Come on, church. Step out and make your way to the front. Don't be afraid. Brother Foster, I'm not worthy. Then step into the pressurized gum now and find a new beginning. The Lord Jesus, that same night, in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. He had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread, and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Hallelujah. Church, lift up your hands. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. That's the bread that you're receiving tonight. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which was broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and this drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. And church, we may summit tonight. He's coming. He's coming sooner than you think. He's coming. It could be night. It could be morning. But let's be ready when he comes. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. My, 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 to know that he is real, to know that you can feel his presence, to know that he loves you enough that he gave his life, that you could be where you are tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes relive that moment relive that hour relive that day calvary is not far away from you it's right here at you now and here we are coming to the end of all that he gave his life for we're coming to the end don't die on the mountain as though you were never anointed. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come.
The Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. God. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hey, it's time to rejoice. It's time to dance. It's time to shout. We're going to summit tonight. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Come on, you got five minutes till midnight. Why don't you move up into his presence? Move up into his glory. come to the platform real quick hey we're gonna have a time here oh hallelujah 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 oh 